Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. Welcome back to another episode of Other You. I'm your host, Dee. Today on the show with me, I have... One of my college friends that we spent a lot of years not talking to each other, but luckily we were able to reconnect. She is incredible. So she's currently a freelance drummer that plays on tracks and percussionist too, right? Yes. Yes. So she's a freelance drummer and percussionist out of one of the greatest music havens in the United States. She also spent a year doing refugee casework here in the States after spending some time in Jordan doing uh some work with refugees there welcome to the show megan coleman hi thank you yeah. thank you thank you thanks yeah. for having me i'm so glad to have you i'm super excited about this like i'm yeah, I, I feel super fortunate that we were able to reconnect like i know yeah so yeah so awesome and and re- really recently too so that's yeah. that's cool too. Yeah. yeah the it was a it was a, a uh, an interesting summer and I use the word interesting, not at all accurately, mm. because it was it was terrible, yeah. it was horrible. Um, but but it was it's 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 nice when you when you feel like you encounter people that you're like oh same similar wavelengths. Yes, you know, I love it, especially from from the the scene that we came out of and where we met. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. it's nice at this point, I think, to find people that are. Um, you know, like you said, on the same wavelength mm. and kind of thinking outside of the he. I'm trying to be, use really nice words. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, That's fair. you know, the the bubble that we were in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that we reconnected. Yeah. So we 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 went to a, a conservative Bible school like 20 years ago, almost. Um, yeah. Right. feels gross to say that out loud. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to this, this conservative school. And I think for me, one of the greatest things that I got from that school is it really showed me um, what I was willing to put up with mm. just based on what I have as conditioned to believe was, no, no, this is okay. You can do and say these yeah. things because this is okay. No matter who it hurts. Mm. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I was able to really find my, like, find who I was and gain the confidence to stand firm in that. So I could say, no, no, I don't like that. That, that's me. That's like, it. no, stop it. (laughs) Stop it. You know, so. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm, I think about it often, like, you know, I don't personally believe in regrets. I I only have like, a few actual regrets, one being that I didn't buy a home in 2006. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's a, that's a separate thing, but, okay. um, you know, I, there's like the tendency for me to want to like, Oh, I regret doing like making this decision or like going to the school or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And, um, I, I definitely like learned, I learned a lot about myself. Like you said, I learned a lot about what I would, put up with Mm -hmm. I've always like my whole life I've been in really extreme like kind of religious 
um, scenarios and, Mm -hmm. you know, and thankfully I've also always been a reader and someone Mm -hmm. who is kind of like quietly like, um, no, you know, I, like (laughs) I've, I've always been really shy and most and quiet. So like I, it was rare that I would speak up for myself, Mm -hmm. you know, until like, well, until my like late twenties, honestly. Um, but (laughs) when it comes to like, certain like biblical things especially because i had like spent my you know like junior high years like reading a whole lot about theology for mm-hmm. weird reasons because i'm strange mm-hmm. um but you know so i that was one thing that i would always speak up on if there was something that felt like really like off and kind of crazy i'm like no this is not even in scripture like yeah. people are not gonna like yeah get me to deal with this weird stuff so. yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's I think for me, for the longest time, um, I, I, I did not, you know, resist. I did not fight back because I just mm. I just wanted it to be done for me. You know, like totally. just just tell me what to do and say, OK, mm-hmm. I'll just do and say that. But then after a while, I like spending some time in Brazil. And then when I, I moved to Puerto Rico and I was there for a year uh, working mm. with teenagers, uh, th- that's when it it really started to hit me that yo, you have to start making decisions for yourself because mm. you know people. One of the things that I have learned is, and this is just a universal truth across every every facet of life, when people are in charge, they tend to hurt people, mm-hmm. right? Because it yeah. feels good to have that power. It feels good to look people in the eye and say no you know, bugger off sort of thing. I don't know. There's just just this visceral reaction that happens in there. And so as I began to experience that and just dealing with, you know, like leadership, it just, it, it was like, ugh, this is not, you have to do it for yourself now. Yeah. You have to. Great. I can't just rely (laughs) on people around me to be high quality individuals on my behalf. (laughs) And and because if you do, I mean, they will, and they will think for you. And, um, you know, Mm -hmm. then, which is, I guess some people are totally fine with that. And I, I can't fault them for, I can't even call it like, oh, this is the easy way out because mm-hmm. maybe some people don't know an- another way. So yeah. I I don't necessarily fault people for like, oh, well, this is just kind of like, this is how my church functions. This is how my family right. functions. This is how blah, blah, blah. Um, my only issue is when they try to force others to fall in, in that same yeah. line just because they are. I'm like, uh, you got me fucked up. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's that, you know. that whole like, hey, these are my values. Now obey them. Yeah, like okay, like, go like live your values yeah. like, by all means, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's my favorite. Because I, I think a lot of times people don't even realize that's how they're interacting. You know, and mm-hmm. it's like okay, you're you're like desperately trying to control my actions based on your yeah. value system. Uh, please stop it. Don't do that. Please. No. Like live live your life and live it in as much of a bubble as you like, please. And I like. Just stay there. Yeah. And like, don't <laughs> leave me out of it. Like, leave me out of it. it has, yeah. You know, so I, that's, that's always been my issue. I mean, my whole life, like, okay, it's totally fine if you believe these things, but trying to force other people to live according to how you believe is right. pure insanity. Right. And I know this podcast is not about that, right. but I could talk about that for two hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's fair. That is fair. Yeah. Something you said about regrets. Um, this is this has been my mantra, and I want to say like ever since uh, college, is and it, it's it was something that one of the uh, one of the teachers there said, and he said uh, you'll get over the regrets for the things that you did, but never get over the regrets for the things that you didn't do. Mm-hmm. So the way that I have applied that to myself is I te- I, I don't like regret anything, right? Mm-hmm. Even when like, oh, this memory sucks. I wish it went down differently. Sure. Yeah, I don't regret it because what I'll do is I will choose something and then just stand firm in whatever that is. Even if I made the yeah. wrong choice, I'm like, oh, I made the wrong choice there, but I don't regret not experiencing this thing because of totally. this, you know, because I have to. And I think that that has freed me up from, you know, spending too much time dwelling on all the things I don't have yeah. or could have or whatever. All right. So speaking of life choices and alternate versions of are you are you ready to get into the conversation let's get into it yeah let's do it all right so hit me with your decision what is the thing that happened in life that you're like okay i've seen the repercussions of this um repercussions or like just yeah just whatever i mean they don't have to be like a a bad result in life because yeah just Um, so I think I I was, I've been thinking about this since we talked, Mm -hmm. um, probably the most, one of the most like monumental decisions that I've made was, uh, on nine 11 when obviously we were all like, you know, stuck to the news and watching Mm -hmm. what was going on and just kind of all in amazement. Um, I remember I, and I had just turned 16, like a couple months before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember deciding that I wanted to move to the middle East and it was that like, it was so, it was such a like strange decision I recognized to make on that day when we were kind of like being told, you know, who did this and like blah, blah, blah. And immediately yeah. there was like, you know, and I'm, I'm from Detroit where there's like the largest population of Arabs outside the middle East. So oh, like, really? immediately in Detroit, there was just like all of this like panic and fear and like mm. shutting the city down. You know, there was, yeah. everybody was kind of like, what is going on? And mm. I remember like amidst all of that, I was watching the news and there were, they had like a split screen of reactions from Arabs like around the world or whatever. And um, there was a split screen and there was a woman from Detroit, a hijabi, and there was a woman from, I believe, Baghdad or somewhere, and they were both crying and talking about how like they didn't want the world to fear them or think everyone was like this because of the actions of however many it was, like twelve people. Yeah. Um, and I just remember thinking, well, I should go see for myself then. Hmm. And it was just such a like, yeah, that it just was like such a clear decision that, and I remember thinking that I couldn't really tell anybody about it because people would try to discourage me, you know, because at that time, especially like within what, like months, people were signing up for the army and like, blah, 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 you know? And, um, so I just remember thinking, I, I've, I've also always been like really private. So I've, I learned very early in life. If there's something that you want to do, don't tell people about it because they will always shit on your dreams. Um, it's true. So it's I just I am grateful to have like learned that somehow really, really, really at an early age. Hmm. Um, yeah. And so that decision kind of like um, was why I 
you know, I, I wasn't like a super great student in high school. Um, I got like, okay, grades, but I remember deciding also, cause I, I had always been really like fascinated by science. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, I really was interested at the time and like, um, you know, medical situations and like uh, surgical, especially like I would watch surgeries all the time, like a crazy lunatic uh, at that age. (laughs) And my mom was like, oh my gosh, she's a psycho. Uh, So I just like, I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll be a surgeon. I'll become a surgeon and then I can like move anywhere in the world because Mm -hmm. people always need good doctors and I can just like move to Baghdad and you know, be a doctor there. Like that was kind of my whole, I, I, my whole trajectory was how to, you know, become something that would make me some money. And because I really wanted to, I was like really intensely passionate at the time about, um, you know, the medical system and, mm. and specifically surgery. So I was like, okay, this is great. I'll you know, become a surgeon. I can move to the middle East. Um, you know, it's kind of like that set in stone. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I <laughs> instead of going to medical school, because I like got a, a partial scholarship actually <clears throat> to go to this school for pre-med. Okay. And I, so this is like two years after my decision to, you know, to move to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And hey, I applied for two schools for this one where I was going to be pre-med and I got a scholarship. Okay. And and then three weeks before school started, I ended up applying to the school that we went to because uh, I just was like, you know what? I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm ready for like that kind of like super intense, you know, like pre-med, you know, it's like once you're in that life, it, it takes over your life. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so I was just like, I don't know, like, I have, a, I have, have a feeling like I should do, I should just try this like Bible college for a second, because it's like two years, right? And then I'll, I'll still be within my like, within my limitations, I guess, where I can still go to the school, mm-hmm. I would, you know, maybe have to reapply, blah, blah, blah. So sure. I was like, I'll just do this, like, two year school for a second. Uh, and, and then come back and do the medical situations and obviously that didn't go as planned um right. so but yeah that was like my my big decision and um and everything that i did from that point was was keeping in mind with i wanted that to be my main trajectory just right. like i was like single fo- singly focused on moving to the middle east mm-hmm. um and, you know, I remember people being like, well, why don't you just, like, link up with, like, local Arabs or, like, you know, like learn the language here, right, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But I was just like, no, because I know that, like, that is a different, obviously, that's different than, mm-hmm. like, actually being in a place, you know, yeah. where people are from. So, yeah, uh, that was the start of it. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then, uh, ultimately, you, you ended up living in the Middle East. You lived in Jordan for a little while and then other places, too, yeah? I lived in, so uh, I ended up going there the first time, gosh, I can't even remember what year it was, but it was like with a church, there was like 12 of us, so it was kind of like mission trip slash we'd gone to like, we 
there the church was like linking the prayer room so we did some mm. stuff with the prayer room and then we did some touring like you know kind of like yeah. all-encompassing kind of thing and then some years later when i was actually the first time i was living in nashville i went to jerusalem with a friend for like three and a half weeks mm-hmm. and met this couple who had actually met in nashville where i live now oh, wow. and they uh were living in uh, a Palestinian refugee camp in the West Bank and <clears throat> this like cinder block like tiny home um, and I went and hung out with them and I was like yeah I've always wanted to live in the Middle East and they're like amazing come live with us and I was like great I will <laughs> and, <Okay>. um, <laughs> so I like came back to Nashville I came back to the States for a few months and finished like some tours and blah 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 um, and then I ended up going to move with them on the 10th anniversary of 9-11 um Mm -hmm. like to the day is when i when i flew over there so i lived in the west bank for just a few months um and then we ended up going to jordan where i was for three years Mm. okay yeah how much accomplishment did you feel when you moved to jordan i mean you so you moved to jordan you lived on your uh, own at that point or were you still lived, with this? Couple? I lived with them for about a year or so total. Okay. Um, like in the West Bank and then in Jordan as well. And they had lived there before when they first got married. So they kind of like, you know, knew the lay of the land a little bit, knew some gotcha. people who were there and that kind of thing. So it was it was nice for the time to be with people who kind of like knew what was going on. And I didn't know the language at all. So oh, like, right. Oh, yeah, that you helps. know. Um so <laughs> it was really, really wonderful to to be with them for a bit wow okay so did, did you feel like ah oh, my dreams came true i made it to the middle east i yeah, i mean i i felt definitely like uh kind of awesome for doing something that i had wanted to do for 10 years you know mm-hmm. what i mean and and finally like even though it didn't look anything at all what I like what I thought it was going to look like you mm. know what I mean because I in my mind I was going to be a surgeon I'm like living right. and like helping yeah. people and like blah 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 and here I was just like a musician um with just like the desire to learn um mm. so I it was really um it was a good reminder to myself, like, hey, if you want to do something, just like it might take longer than you want it to, yeah. but keep, you know, keep pushing and and it'll the door will open if it's supposed to open, right. you know. Okay. Um, so I I did feel a great sense of accomplishment in that regard, and you know, like I immediately jumped into starting um, <clears throat> learning Arabic, which felt like both awesome and what the hell am I doing? Because um, <laughs> this is like so right. intense. But yeah, it was, um, you know, every, I always say I enjoyed living there like 93% of the time. Mm-hmm. And then there was like the other 7% every once in a while, I'll be like, what the hell am I doing? Like, it's <laughs> crazy here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love and those it, moments. I love those yeah, moments yeah. Uh, where you just pause and then you step out of yourself and you're like, what are what are you doing? what are you doing here? Like, yeah. you're crazy. <laughs> um, especially because, like, I'm, I mean, I have spent most of my life being the only black person in a setting, especially the only black woman. Mm. Um, and I, so it's, it doesn't even always occur to me to, to think, like, oh, hey, by the way, you're going to be the only one <laughs> in yeah. this place. Yeah. Um, I mean, now, honestly, in 
2021, unfortunately, it's something that I think about first. But at the time, I didn't, mm. which is sad because we've regressed. But that's right. that's another thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so I I was lit- I didn't see another black person in the country for like two years. Like I was the only one, literally. Wow. I mean, there's like Africans, of course, and like dark Jordanians and like okay. you know that kind of thing. But like black Americans, and oh, I okay. definitely look like I've. I, people were always kind of like confused i mean so they would try to place me like oh you're from somalia you're from like this place you're from that right. place um but i was i was definitely the only one and uh that so that made it even more like i'm literally like choosing to stick out every single day of my life which i hate like i hate <laughs> when people notice me like please don't look at me uh, oh, why do I have a profession where I am on stage as a career? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I honestly, that's another thing too, where I'm like, what am I doing? Like everyone's right. looking at me right now. Oh my gosh. So, I, can, yeah. I can relate to that. I keep putting myself in these positions clearly. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when I was on my honeymoon, uh, we were, we spent, um, oh, almost two weeks in Morocco, almost two weeks. Mm. We were in Marrakesh and we, uh, while we were there, my wife's friend's sister, who also lived there, was like, hey, to my wife's friend, I want to take out your friend and her husband and, you know, we'll we'll go get some dinner and some drinks and then, you know, we'll tell them all about Marrakesh and they can know what to expect and all this jazz. So we went. It was legit the most bonkers night of my life. Most <laughs> bonkers night. I mean, we, we went to this hotel lobby and we were having these, like, tapas and I made a comment about the live music saying, oh, it's cool that they have live music. And the dude's like, this, this is shit. Let me take you somewhere. <laughs> so we jump in his car. They take us to this place that has live music. We go in there and they're playing. And I notice there's a full band, except there's like a percussion set that's empty. And I just, I'm, I'm like, I'm an idiot. And I made another comment like, oh, it's too bad that nobody's playing the congas. He's like, oh, God. Do you want to play? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, sure, I'll play. He's like, okay, I'll get you up there. I'm like, all right, buddy. Not even like, as soon as they finish their set, uh, the dude that was playing drums, came down to the table where we were and like he's like hey do you do you want to come play the congas and i was like yeah yeah i mean okay i'll do it and now at this point <laughs> i was a full bottle of wine and a couple cocktails oh uh, yeah 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 and so i was like all right let's go so i went up there and i played percussion on stage at this music venue with a dj who I'd never met before, never seen. He was just playing music and he's like, all right, go ahead. And I was like, okay. And so I'm playing, 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 having a good time. And then like on the third song, I like either sobered up for just a brief moment and we're like, Daniel, what the hell are you doing on stage? <laughs> Why are you doing this? Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And then it like, eventually it, it like all that liquid courage came back and went away. And yeah. so I just kept smashing it out. Uh, yeah. having a good time, you know, liquid courage is definitely, I, I have, yeah, it's definitely needed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I understand. I have found myself, especially drunkenly, found myself on people's stages where I'm like, right. what? How did I yeah, get what? How did I, yeah, how did I, how did this happen? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a very interesting night. But then, like, the next morning, because I was playing uh, inebriated, my hands were swollen oh, yeah, in black yeah, yeah. and blue. I wasn't protecting mm-hmm. myself at all. I wasn't using any like technique to preserve so I could, but also yeah. I hadn't played regularly in for a while. So I didn't have a lot of the calluses built up where they should have been. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. Let's, 
let's unpack 16 year old Megan. Okay. So what was family life like for you in Detroit at 16? Man, (laughs) bonkers, honestly. Uh, You know, my, so my, my dad passed when I was one. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom got remarried. I think, well, how old was I? Five. So from that marriage, I have a stepbrother, a stepsister, and a younger half-brother. And then um, there's three of us for my dad. So there was a total of six after they got married. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that was... Uh, I'm trying to think about who might listen to this. <laughs> um, you know, that didn't last super... It, it lasted their marriage for, like, some years, but there was, like, a lot of separation okay. and blah, 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 blah. So, um, you know, it was just kind of, like, a little bit, honestly, chaotic <laughs> for... for uh, I was a really, and still am, a really, like, sensitive and emotional person. And so, like, it was... It, felt like a lot for me growing up. I felt like I was always like kind of overwhelmed by like fighting and the, like the chaos of it sometimes. Um, So, you know, like by high school, I had, I had learned how to, you know, navigate as, or I should say cope uh, as, as best you do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were, there were a lot of really like, as as tumultuous as it was there were a lot of really awesome things to like growing up um in detroit and having access to like some just like really incredible music uh that had you know what detroit is kind of known for um whether it be you know kind of like the old school cats i used to play with like motown Mm -hmm. and all that that. like you can just kind of see all these like live shows all the time. So, so much of my life growing up, I have so many memories, even from like a like toddler age of going to concerts, mm-hmm. um, like all the time, like gospel and jazz and uh, old school R&B, mm-hmm. you know. So a lot of my life at the time was still like going to, I, like, I would, my mom would be like, hey, I got tickets to go, you know, see Fred Hammond and Kirk Franklin and Yolanda Adams tonight, you know, nice. that kind of thing. So we would go to, go to concerts all the time. Um, and, you know, by 16, I think that I'd start, yeah, I'd started playing drums uh, a few years before. So I was really active at the time. And um, so I went to a Christian school growing up. Like I grew up in black church. Okay. okay. And then I went to a Christian school that was like, at the time, you know, when I started in, in preschool, um, there were like very few black kids in, in the schools, like me and my brother and like a handful <laughs> of other people. And by the time I was 16, there had, you know, there, it was definitely more mixed and all that okay. kind of stuff. But I went, I went to a Christian school and I started going to the schools, like the church that was affiliated with the school, I started going there when I was like in junior okay. high. Somehow I convinced my mom to let me go to church with my friends instead of the church that I grew up in. Actually, it was literally almost born in. My mom went into labor with me at church, <laughs> the lunatic. So, oh, so there's that. Uh, yeah, I literally have spent my entire life, say for the last like four years wow. in church. Um, and... Yeah, so I was really involved in, like, my youth group at the time. Uh, I was playing drums, like, at youth group. 
I had started, I like caught the eye of uh, some of the musicians at, at quote unquote, the big mm. church, you know, and so I <clears throat> started like playing there as well, you know, in front of like, whatever, 1200 people or so mm-hmm. every day. Um, not every day, yeah. but you know, a couple times a week. And uh, yeah, so that was a good, like, you know, beginning journey for for where I am now. But uh, yeah, so I was playing music. I was, um, what else? Listening to a lot of music. Okay. Uh, um, that That's, I think I was probably, yeah, I was definitely reading a lot. I would read like just a ton of books, uh, like three to four books a week, like wow. huge books. Uh, I didn't like doing homework, but I really enjoyed oh, reading. Man. So I that I did that that's all the time instead. Right yeah, exactly. Still to this day, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to avoid what I yep. have to do. I'm going to read this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was, that. that's a bit of what I was up to at, yeah, like 16. Gotcha. Okay. So would you say that um, your hobbies would have been music and reading? Did you have... Any other hobbies? Did you do any sure. athletics? Did you play computer um, games? I well, you know what? I was in sports. I was playing um, volleyball and basketball. I was not good at basketball. Worth a damn. <laughs> I mean, I've, I'm like decent. Okay. You know what I mean? But like, I my a bunch of my friends played basketball, and so I was like, oh, I want to like hang out with my friends afterwards. And I wasn't like driving okay. yet. And I knew, like, okay, my mom's going to come pick us up late as hell anyways. Right. So, like, if I'm going to be at school for, like, hours on end waiting for her, then I might as well have something yeah. to do. You know what I mean? So, I, uh, yeah, I was playing basketball, volleyball. Um, I was better at volleyball, but still, like, I, you know, I wasn't, like, oh, I'm super interested in sports. Because I knew it was, like, this is not going to be something that I do in, like, right. college and shit. Like, I just, like trying to gotcha. pass the time basically. Okay. Okay. I can dig that. Um, so mm-hmm. sports, drums, reading into it, into it. Um, so you played a lot of music, um, for church and for the big church. Um, was that mm-hmm. the music that you're predominantly into or were you into different types of music and that's just what you played at church? What kind of music were you? Oh yeah. 16? I mean, at church I was playing like, like contemporary christian like not awesome mm. music uh i mean when i started like playing at the the big church i think it was definitely better because there's just like more seasoned musicians and so they were kind of and some cats who had been like who had like played on with motown mm. and you know like that okay. kind of stuff so there were there started to be these really kind of like professional dudes who who knew mm. their stuff so it was it was more challenging, like even though the music itself wasn't necessarily like that challenging, they made it really yeah. awesome and and kind of like forced me to always play at like a whatever my A plus was mm. at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I, what I was like listening to was completely different than what I was playing because I wasn't like listening to like you know contemporary Christian in my spare right. time, especially coming from a household of gospel you know what i mean like if i put on like a whatever like sandy patty record at home my mom would be like what are you doing (laughs) why (laughs) no yeah so like at home you know i was 
listening to Fred Hammond, Kirk Franklin. Like if I was listening to like Christian music, it was gospel gotcha. for sure. Okay. Because, and that's still, that's still the okay. case. Um, uh, I was listening to a lot of that stuff, you know, kind of that new R and B kind of gospel that was emerging with, with, uh, in that time. Yeah. And then, um, you know, actually a few months before, uh, that decision, I think John Mayer had put out that room for squares mm. album. And that was one of my first like musical decisions, that album. Mm. And I remember thinking, okay, if I am to like, if I, if, if drumming is something that I want to continue, this is kind of the style of music that I would love to play. If it, yeah. Um, so I like, I mean, I wore that album nice. out. Was was uh, Dino? And, um, was he, he? Yeah, Pino and Steve okay. Jordan, and yeah. Right. Wait, wait, wait. No, sorry. Pino wasn't on that. He one. was. So he wasn't. He, was actually, uh, he wasn't a part of his music back then. Okay. No, no, not okay. yet. Um, actually, it's uh, it was a friend of mine. Now it's crazy where life has brought. But uh, David, how do you say his name? Lebrere, I believe. David how do you say his name? I always okay. say. Hey, I always say his last name wrong. Please don't tell him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we we became friends a few years ago. But he was on that album. Gotcha. Yeah. So I was listening to a lot of that. Uh, a lot of like, you know, great early two thousands R and B. Aaliyah had just oh, passed. Leah. I think like a couple weeks before that, actually. Shoot. Um, so yeah, like that kind of stuff. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm into it. I'm into it. What was, so you said that, um, your mom would pick you up late. Was your typical routine go to school and then just wait for mom to pick you up? Um, yeah. Okay. And then (laughs) from that, like you were like, okay, if I'm going to be here, might as well do some stuff. And that's when you got into like playing sports. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of times my, um, my grandparents would, uh take us and pick us up like my mom had made an arrangement so because my mom is like bless Mm -hmm. her heart chronically late for everything like i learned kind of early on as well to just like start lying to her about what times i would have to be at things i would always tell her like an hour and a half earlier (laughs) so that i could be there on time do you hear what i'm saying okay so so like even when like with like school and stuff like we were just like be late like often Mm -hmm. you know and so uh so my grandparents like ended up like taking us all the time and like picking us up or whatever um and then you know once i was in high school that was still the case like they would sometimes like pick us up if my mom couldn't Mm -hmm. do it and then i was just like well i guess i could just stay here and you know i'm already going to be here probably until like six o'clock anyway so i'll just do that gotcha did you did you ever have a job when you were in high school Okay. Mm-hmm. When I was, uh, I think I got my first job when I was 15 oh. at Burger King. Okay. Um, because that later that summer, uh, my church was going to South Africa. Mm. Well, well, hang on. I got on my first mission trip the year before. Yeah. When I was 15 to Mexico, um, with teen mania. <laughs> and then the next year, um, my church was going to South Africa and I really wanted mm. to go. And so my mom was like, 
cool, great. Do all the traveling you want, but you got to like help yeah. pay for it. And I was like, golly, she's like really, <laughs> she's really right? beating me down these days. Oh, yeah, um, so, I mean, I got a job at Burger King like on the weekends. I was making what, like $73? Right? <laughs> like, you I'm know what I mean? I'm like, definitely not going to. Yeah, definitely not contributing to anything <laughs> at all. Um, oh, that's like, great. Really, just throw that yeah. in the trash. But you know, it was forced. She was like, "You have to." I'm glad she made me mm. do that. You know what I mean? Like, it definitely taught me uh, a lot. Mm. So that was my my first job, uh, my first gotcha. official job, Burger okay. King. All right, I can dig that. Once you or outside of. Um, your decision to uh, move to the Middle East at 16, um, like outside mm-hmm. of nine 11, what was your like projection for yourself? Cause you said like you wanted to go to med school, but uh, I'm gathering that, that was mostly motivated by wanting to uh, put like, jo- like go move to that part of the world and participate in life there from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of that, did you have like a projection? Did you always want to get into medicine or was that just a, a, a facet of, I'm going to move to the Middle East? Right. So I had always um, been really, I've been really into science, mm-hmm. like even when I was, like since I was a child. <clears throat> so I would like read, you know, the science books and all that kind of stuff. And then like once the decision was made on 9-11, I, it was kind of like at the same time, I was like, oh, okay, well, the most like probably responsible and, um, maybe easier way to get into other countries would be to either like be a teacher or like something in the medical field or like blah, 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 Mm. you know what I mean? So I at least will have some sort of like credentials to carry or, uh, job prospects, you know what I mean? So, um, that was, yeah, I didn't, I I wanted medical school, um, as well. Like from that time, I, I didn't really have any, I didn't have any intention at all in pursuing music. That was like not even, not even a part yeah. of my thinking at mm-hmm. the time. Um, I knew that I would like music was always something that I would be at least decently good at that I could do it kind of like, you know, my off time mm-hmm. or whatever, but it was never a thought about like pursuing it as gotcha. a career. Okay. Okay. But it was, it was science, science, science. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So outside of like the practical, pursuit of science back then what were some of your like hopes and dreams like this is like the fanciful Mm -hmm. stuff where the fairies live and you know all that jazz what what were like hopes and dreams for young megan um i think a big hope was uh you know being able to um like understand each other and like I you know that was a big part of my again my reasoning for like wanting to go to the Middle East because I just was like I don't want people to tell me how to feel about another people that I don't even know you know what I mean so I I think I as like I said as a shy and kind of quiet and emotional child and person um I always felt misunderstood Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I didn't like, I was like scared to communicate. And so I, it was really like a big um, thing in my mind to just like, I wanted to understand people. And, and, and my hope was that like in pursuing um, 
not just like the Middle East venture, but just like I I wanted to pursue ways to like better communicate with mm. each other uh, and all that, which I, I recognize is a really intense thing for a 16 year old to be thinking about. But <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> like, I trust me when I, I'm like, I know that most 16 year olds aren't like, oh, I'm going to like move to the Middle East. Right. I know nothing about, mm. but um, you know, I, I, it was my hope that I would, I would better learn how to communicate and then be able to somehow like translate that to other parts mm. of my life. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, did you have any quirks as a kid? Ooh, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Lots. <laughs> uh, I still have so many like weird, I'm so strange. Um, so I, I used to like, I really enjoy silence and my home was anything but okay. quiet, uh, for the most part. Um, so I used to like, like as a child, I would go and like sit in the laundry room or something like in a basket of clothes and just like sit there for as long as I possibly could until, <laughs> until someone noticed that I was missing, which sometimes <laughs> would be like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. Like my mom would find me like sitting in the laundry room. She's like, what are you, why, what are you doing? <laughs> and like, but I just, I, I like taught myself really at a young age, like how to meditate mm. somehow. So like I, um, you know, even as a teenager, I would go, I wouldn't always like sit in the laundry room, but I would go find like a little corner to like tuck myself away in and just like sit there for, and, you know, clear my mind or whatever for as long as possible before it was loud again. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that's a quirk or just something that I was just like, this is really weird because I know that nobody yeah, else is No, that's definitely this. a quirk. I love that, <laughs> that you would sit on a bunch of clothes yeah. on a laundry basket. Yeah, this is like sitting in like a pile of dirty clothes, just like yeah. meditating. Uh, like a really weird person. Yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to think what else. Um, gosh, at 16, I I started having like really weird like, I don't know, like annoyances or I guess maybe they're more quirks and annoyances, but like I, I noticed that like I don't like even numbers, Ooh, for example. Okay. So like, like for ex like I'm surprised when you said, okay, we're going to meet at 11. I normally would be like, can we do 11.03? Like just, I don't know, there's like something in my <laughs> brain that like can't, like I can't even deal with like the evenness wow. of it. Okay. So yeah, um, that those like kind of weird things are, I think developing around that age. As so, well. uh, yeah, I, my, my mom was always like, oh, I got a strange one on my no, hands. She was right. <laughs> so does that translate to music? Are you more attracted to like odd time signatures than the typical like two, four or whatever? You know, <laughs> here's, here's a secret. I don't count for shit. Oh, okay. Um, I like, someone will be like, okay, this song is in like 12, eight. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Let's just, like, play. Play this song. like, I don't, I'm not right. going to count that spirit, you know? So I think that I'm just, I'm, uh, you know what? I, I might like kind of unintentionally be attracted to like kind of these weird things, but it's not because I'm like, oh, that's a weird time to be mm, Okay. Uh, at least not intentionally. Okay. Okay. The, the band that I told you I played in, uh, one of the things that I was desperate to do was to convince them to play a song in sevens, right? 
I even mm, like I composed mm. this song that I called Sevens and I was like, guys, let's do it. Right. And it was just yeah. like a skeleton. I'm like, you guys like flesh out your parts however you want. This is yeah. just the skeleton, but let's let's do it. And they just could not wrap their brains around playing in sevens. Yeah. I mean, my I think because I'm like on the the other end of the spectrum as far as like professional musicians mm-hmm. go. Like, I mean, I live in a city where people are like really, really um incredibly amazing amazingly talented at like knowing theory and like signatures and like all this kind of stuff and i like i grew up playing in church and not to say that people who play in church like don't Mm -hmm. know those things but i like when i was in a band situation and had the opportunity to learn theory i was like this is boring i hate it (laughs) Uh, and i also learned like when i was in junior high band and started kind of playing you know the percussion and the you know like concert drums. Um, one day we were in in band and you know the, how they would have like the CD in the back of the books, like the little mm-hmm. band books. So I like, I listened to the CD and memorized all the songs. Mm-hmm. And so instead of reading, I was just playing from memory. And my band teacher was like, Megan, wow, your playing has gotten really good <laughs> lately. And so I, I learned early that I didn't have to read. I just had to listen gotcha. to the song, which was great, yeah. but also like not because now I have to, I've had to like reteach myself a lot of theory that I yeah. already know. So like, so in that regard, I'm like, I, when I say I don't count, I mean it. Like people will be like, all right, we're going to jump into like bar eight, kind of where it goes into that on that, the E of the, you know, the second note, I'm like, guys, please, for the love of God, like, stop saying this to me. (laughs) Can we just like play the song? So like, I, yeah, I don't like my, my advice always, like when I have students, you know, they want to learn, I I can do obviously like basics of like music reading and like all that kind of stuff. But, but I'm always people hire me and uh, for whether for a teacher or for a drummer for based on feel. And so I like when it comes to like these weird time signatures and all that shit, I'm like, I just, I'll right, feel it. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And if I don't, then you got to hire somebody right. else to play it. Like that's you know whatever. Um, but yeah, I usually if someone is like doing like a jazz set or something or whatever and they call me especially for like a last minute thing i'm like i'm not the one you want because i'm not i'm I'm not good enough at like reading mm-hmm. music or you know or whatever and i don't know fucking like jazz standards right, and all yeah, that kind I of gotcha. stuff so um so yeah i have somehow <laughs> gotten this far because i learned early on that i didn't have to actually mm-hmm. read and um so i mean i i do wish that i would have like actually taking the time to learn some of that stuff early on, but whatever yeah, it is. What I it gotcha. Is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can dig that. I think most of my early learning was a hundred percent intuitive. And so of all the instruments I play, I never learned the theory for music. It was just like, Hey, a lot of it was like guitar tab type stuff. And you know, mm-hmm. here are the chords. But yeah, when I was first learning it, I was just watching people play and then mimicking their finger positions. Right. Totally. I'm like, okay, I can do this. This sounds fine. But then there came a point where it's like, I don't know where to go from here. And I don't know why yeah. this is a G chord. Why, why, right. why, 
you know, and like having to learn like, okay, well, here's the basic principles of music and here's the math behind it, um, which like opened things up like crazy for me. But I mean, most of what I learned up until that point was literally just working off of sounds and figuring out rhythms on my own, you know, so I I, I feel you. (laughs) I feel you. (laughs) Cool. I think I have an idea of ah. where I'm going to take your story. There are a couple of really, like, really beautiful that. parts to this that I'm like, okay, I, I can dig this. I can play around with this. And yeah. the idea of the meditating really uh, lends itself to giving me a place to, to put you to start and then seeing where that develops, you know, but mm. awesome. Cool. This has been, yeah. this has been great. Oh, one other thing, one of the things that, that, that you said, that stirred up something in me. Um, so we're, we're at a current time where um, people by and large are addressing a lot of the traumas of their youth. Right. And then you have this like vanguard of a generation that's like, Oh, you guys are too soft, this, that, and the other. Mm. Um, but I, I'm in love with this movement of addressing childhood trauma because mm. you know it, it, just saying like oh you know when we were kids we you know we were able to do all this like no we, when you were a child you were traumatized and you just don't want to deal know. with it and so you're mm. willing to mm-hmm. inflict that same trauma on everyone that comes after you because you had to suffer that trauma mm-hmm. you know yeah but i love and so like uh when i'm on tiktok a lot of the stuff that i come across is people like ad- just addressing their childhood trauma. Mm. You get a lot of people that are like joking and like, Oh, what's something like really messed up your parents did. And then people are like, Oh man, let me tell you this story. And then like a lot of times it seems lighthearted, but like these are some like really, really traumatic experiences. So I'm, I'm in love with the idea of people coming to terms with their childhood trauma, addressing Mm. it. And then like, I mean, how do I move forward from this and how much of my decision making is informed by my trauma as a child, you know, so much of it, I want to say is, was inspired by, um, especially insofar as church culture was concerned. It it was inspired by like the whole armor of God, right? Where you have to build Mm. up the shield and protect your heart and all this jazz. And it's, it's like, you're avoiding dealing with, you know, things because you're like, no, I can just take Mm. it. I'm just going to, I'm going to, put on the full armor. I'm going to say these few Bible verses and then people can abuse me, but it's not going to affect me, you know? Right. right. So a lot yep. of, I feel like a lot of it comes from that. And just like the generation, my generation and the one before me, um, kind of dealing with that. But hmm. I'm excited to see like the next generations are like, no, that's guys, that's not okay. That's, that is not yeah. okay. And like this whole, oh, they're just snowflakes is like, no man, they just don't want to be broken all the time. And they don't want to beat yeah. their kids and they don't want to like scream at their neighbors and they don't want to kill themselves at 45 because they don't know how to yeah. deal with, you know, their trauma. They're trying to live right. And not abuse each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and dealing with trauma, it's, it's man, it's such hard yeah. work and, and very like intentional mm-hmm. work. And, you know, I, my first memory was trauma. Like I, my first memory is um, I think I was, had I just turned three, um, my family was in a car accident where I honestly, we all should wow. have been dead. 
And this is the 80s, so like the seatbelt laws were relaxed. And I remember like my brother and I, we were, I guess, either two and three or three and four uh, were in the front seat. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, like thinking about toddlers oh in the God. front seat. But yeah, it was like the 80s, like, it's yeah. chill. And my mom was like, in the back, my sister was a baby. So my mom had like taken her out of her car seat to like, you know, feed her or whatever. Like thinking about that happening now, people were like, oh my God, you're like trying right. to feed your kids. But at the time they were just, it wasn't yeah. a big deal. Um, and that accident, I remember it like it just happened. Like it's so right. crazy. Like, and it's the first thing that I remember. And and that that trauma from being in that, and we were all, almost like, just in different parts of my life, almost like in several other really, really intense, like would have been deadly accidents. Um, and so like, as a result, like I have so much anxiety about like driving, especially like being on the highway oh my, yeah. uh, because of this. This is like something like even as an almost 36 year old, I've had, I have to like actively like almost daily be like, bitch, girl, get yeah. in the car. And you yeah. know what I mean? Um, and, but it, it takes, like everyday work and you know i don't fault like i think about this a lot i i don't fault like the generations before Mm -hmm. us for necessarily like for dealing with it in the way that they thought they were supposed to because obviously they weren't taught how to deal with trauma either and you know like i think about my mom specifically and like how much like tr- how many traumatic things had happened mm-hmm. to her even before she became yeah. a mother. And, um, and then, you know, my dad passed, like my, my dad was 30, mm. uh, and had, and died from appendicitis misdiagnosed. Mm. That's a, another thing we have to talk about, like the healthcare system and how it treats Ooh. minorities. That's a separate yeah. podcast. Legit. Um, but yeah, but you know, my brother was two i was one my mom was pregnant with my sister and my mom was 25. so like i i think about that often and and, you know like there's so much that i could like be like oh i'm angry at my mom for like doing this and making this decision blah 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 blah. but as a as a woman as an adult woman now (laughs) myself i'm like oh okay Mm -hmm. i get it and you know i there's so many things that like, I, you know, I was diagnosed with cancer when I was 27 mm-hmm. years old, 28 years old. And I think about if I had had, like, kids on top of having to deal, like, and navigate how crazy yeah. that was. And <laughs> I definitely would have fucked my sure. kids up. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, um, sure. so, but I, I do love the, the trend of people being like, okay, really, honestly, like, enough is enough. Yeah. And maybe it's a small minority of people that are doing that, but I think even that is going to hopefully change how like future generations deal with trauma and, and communicate openly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, that's really, yeah. so like it's, it, it takes a lot of work for me not to begrudge, you know, to, to begrudgingly deal with, uh, the, mm-hmm. the older generation. Um, I, I, there's yeah. that part of me that really wants to like, I, like I want to be kind and, one of the foundations of the relationship mm. I have with my wife is I was like, look, babe, no matter what, let's promise to be kind to each other. No mm-hmm. matter how much we're disagreeing, mm-hmm. no matter what, let's try and be kind. And I, I, right. I always try and keep a modicum of that. Yeah. So I feel like there's just I, some people yeah. that I'm just like, yo, 
you're so lost in the sauce. There's just you're just bathing in vitriol and maybe you just want to bonk over the head and that's what's going to get you to see, you know, how much dookie you're swimming in because I can't talk you out of this, you know. And just yeah. It, yeah. It's 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 amazing to me how confident people are in mm-hmm. some of the things that they say being like no no it's okay for me to say this because I dealt with it yeah but I realize more and more um you know even even in my fight my whole life to like make sure that there is clear communication I have realized that some people it doesn't matter how mm-hmm. hard you try some people yeah. don't want that and even if you're if you're using you know taking on the emotional labor to provide it especially when talking about like racial Mm -hmm. issues like you know people are like oh tell me like five reasons that you think that blah 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 blah." so you want me to go through the emotional labor of like recounting these things Mm -hmm. that have happened to me what i know at the end of the day you're just trying to make a point about each of those things so like again i i in the name of like preserving my uh Mm -hmm. my peace and my emotional energy I've learned or I'm learning to recognize when this is worth my effort and when it's not. And that was a really hard thing for me to to like start paying attention to because I again as someone who's always kind of felt misunderstood, I want to make sure that I'm clearly communicating and that you walk away from the conversation going, "Oh, mm-hmm. I learned something today." But for the most part, <laughs> I'm realizing that like people are not going yeah. to grant you that at the end of the day, they're going to be like, well, that might be true. And like, that sucks that that happened to you, but like, right. I still don't believe it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so like it's, it's sometimes worth it. And it's, I'm learning sometimes for not really. Um, and I, you know, sometimes I'm just like, I'll let the allies fight that one because y'all are not going to listen to me anyways, you know? Yeah. So, so preserve yourself, I guess I I should say. Oh man. Oh man. I love, I love that you said that preserving my peace. That's, that's important. Yeah. That's important. Very important. Very important. After like really again, like cancer, (laughs) If, if there's, I, I remember when I was like first uh, diagnosed and a friend who I met in Jordan wrote me this beautiful letter about kind of like, at the time I was almost offended because she, she wrote this letter about like looking at the cancer kind of like as a gift and like what, what you're mm-hmm. going to learn from it and like what it's going to teach you, like all this kind of stuff. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is she talking Stay about? Like, here. why is she saying this? <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, you know, as the years have gone by, I, I recognize like the lessons that I learned from it. Um, and one of them, one of the major ones has been preserving mm-hmm. my peace and whether that's with family or whatever the situation, you know, like, I'm like, I've obviously like there's, you know, there's so much going mm-hmm. on in the world and it's never going to be like completely, I'm like, you know, living in a complete and total state of yeah. bliss. I wish I, that right. would be wonderful. Um, you know, there's financial things to concern yourself mm-hmm. about and relationships and like blah, blah, blah. There's always something, but you know, my thing is as much as I possibly can, like in, in all of my best efforts, as much as I possibly can, like I'm going to control how, like what kind of drama <laughs> I'm like daily yeah. interacting with, you know, um 
And I've, you know, I've told that to my family multiple times, like, uh, y'all are not going to call <laughs> me with nonsense because there's yeah. nothing I can do about it. So like, if it, you know, my, my rule is if there's nothing that I can actively do about it, then I can't right. engage myself in it, you know? Um, and that has, I hope added some years Good. to my life. <laughs> Good. Yeah. It's, it's, um, Oh, again, I just had something like right on the tip of my tongue. It's the F. Whatever. I hate this. <laughs> it's okay. So it much. happens. We're old, you know. Uh, serious, man. Serious. <laughs> like, I'm I'm that type of old where like my body hurts just sitting on the chair. Yeah. For too oh, long. Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> why? Oh yeah. I'm yeah. resting. I'm resting. Why am I in pain? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's good. Okay. Man, okay, so I think this is a good place to wind this. I, I feel like we could yeah. we could just keep rapping, you know, oh, totally. nonstop. Oh, totally. This like the flow of this was beautiful. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and we'll we'll pause here. Um I'm gonna go ahead and write a story. Mm-hmm. And then when we come back from our little break, I will read the story and we'll react to it. Thank you for Sweet. being here. Stick around. <laughs> <laughs> 